Welcome back to a new episode of Chocolate with a Side of Medicine. As always, I'm here with the amazing Dr. Chris, the Amy Joe MD, and the one and only Dr. Sunshine. What up, though? Honestly, this happened maybe a couple hours ago, but apparently we have a new president. So, (laughs) (laughs) I was literally... I was literally not expecting these results until like Monday, but sure enough, uh, popped up on my phone. I heard cars honking, people yelling out their windows, and I'm like, oh, I think something happened. So I checked my Mm -hmm. phone, and sure enough, we got President-elect Joe Biden and the one and only VP Kamala Harris coming into the White House January 20th. Yeah. Listen, no one was, well, I wasn't expecting these results at all. I think they made a statement. A couple of the states were like, yeah, we're going to be counting votes till Sunday at noon. I'm like, oh, okay, Sunday at noon. Let me just make myself comfortable. And, you know, right. this whole feeling of being trapped in an elevator with the rest of America is just going to continue until Sunday. <laughs> I hadn't been following the news, so I was surprised. I have not watched. I have been reading Nate Silver's tweets hmm. since I voted. Because I can only, he's the only person I can listen to because I just want data and information and like reasonable knowledge because TV based on Facebook and based on these text messages I was getting, like, no, it was driving people crazy. So I knew I was not going to watch it. So I randomly got a text like, yo, did you, are you, are you looking? I'm like, no, looking at what? And it popped up and I'm like, whoa, we got an answer. Because the Huffo tracker was tra- was stopped at like 264 for Biden, I think 213 for Trump for like two days. And I'm like, forget this. I'll just check back on Monday. Like, I actually didn't want to see anything at all. Like, I was literally like, hey, I cast my vote. Y'all just tell me who won. And, and right. that's really abnormal for me because I'm usually the girl who's like, every hour I want the update, every state, every this. And I'm like, yo, where's the map? Let's, yo, we got a red one. We got a blue one. Like, I love that stuff. But this year I was like... I my I, I literally have no space for this right now. Just tell me who the winner is. <laughs> and then when it, and then I didn't even look at the electoral college map until it was taking so long. So after it's been yeah. two days, I'm like, no, no, no. Now I really want to know like what's taking so long. So then right. that's when I was like, oh, okay, we're waiting on these states. And then that's when I and of course, you know, like Amy Jo MD, I'm not here for the commentary or the jibber jabber. Just give me the numbers, give me the data. So I just looked at the map and I'm just, you know, calculating all the things. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's see how this turns out. I was going in and out watching CNN. Some days I watched, other days I didn't. I was like, dang, I feel bad for John King. Like he was going in. Every time I would (laughs) pop in and out, this man is on the TV going (laughs) in the map. I was just like, did the man go to sleep? Did he go home? (laughs) I had to say a prayer yesterday. I was just like, please, Lord, make this happen so this man could go to sleep. (laughs) It's too much. It's too much. Too much. You're right. And then even and even my thoughts and feelings towards elections, like I've had to find like a new like mental health, like, you know, serenity with that, especially being from a swing state and being from Florida. And Florida is known to mess up everything that they can possibly mess up, including elections multiple times. This is what we do. So I'm literally just like, you know what? It's going to swing one way or another. It's fine. Cast a vote because I actually voted absentee with Florida. This is my last time voting with the state of Florida Mm -hmm. um, before I have my formal like California you know, like my residency here. And it, it's been crazy. Literally since this day, since, you know, the results were announced, I was like, this, like this state, the state of California is going absolutely nuts. I'm surprised you guys can't hear it from my microphone. Like it's, it's, it's insane. It's insane. Well, you know, it's quiet here. 
Right. Amy Joe got crickets. Amy Joe got crickets. Quiet. Amy Joe's about to have an uprising over there. (laughs) You better watch out. Watch out. Listen, (laughs) I was going to go to the office later on today, and then the news hit, and I thought, I'm going to just stay here. (laughs) Girl, you're not even going out. No. Mind my business. I had goals and plans for the day. I was going to Trader Joe's. I was going to, you know, run some errands. Yeah, that's going to not happen. Although, you know, we have not, we, we, you know, we surprisingly have seen, you know, riots in, in, in my city, you know, to match, you know, whatever the current environment was. So um, my, my town is checked in and reacting. And so I'm sure there are people that are disappointed. I'm sure there are people that are super excited, but I live in a red state uh, and my city was red for the presidential race. So, well, I want you to stay safe out there because even when I looked at the, um, because after I did allow myself to look at the data, there's a lot to really be taken away from this election. Even when you see how, mind you, the states are still playing out. They're still counting votes right now, but there are some states that you would never thought would have flipped and they flipped. And I mean, Georgia swung blue and who thought I'd be here to see the day that Georgia went blue. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah. even 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 the numbers in texas are almost similar to florida i'm like texas as a swing state are we actually considering that now like they texas used to be like they, they did but it, but it's also texas this is a bible belt we're talking about you have states flipping in the bible belt and that's that's huge like that's wow. you know of course there's different you know reasons why that's happening but i mean the numbers themselves are astonishing compared to previous elections you know what i mean yeah but I definitely think that being in D.C. right now, the energy there is probably like it's probably very charged both sides, both ways, you know, probably maybe more one way than the other. But, you know, from living in D.C. in the past, for me personally, it's just a great place to be during election time because the city is so like it's live. Um, yeah, I have a friend down there right now. He actually lives like down the street from Howard. And I'm just like, you need to give me updates on what is going on because I know your camp is about to be lit for at least the next week or so. So please, like, I'm I'm living this energy through you. Like, let me know. It's gonna be lit. All the Alpha Chapter AKAs are gonna come from out the woodwork for this inauguration. Yeah. The whole city's gonna be the whole city's gonna be pink and green. It's just gonna be a sea <laughs> of, 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 of pink and green. The stroll lines all around. The stroll yeah, lines around. will like be circling blocks, right? Like you'd be like, when this stroll in, it'd be ten blocks long. Like we're still strolling. <laughs> Folks get trying to get the queue. Like it's gonna be, um, it's it's gonna be insane. It's I'm excited though. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. You know, I'm excited as a as a black woman to see this happen. Um, you know, I'm gonna take the we're gonna just be excited for right now because we all know that in a very short period of time we gotta get back to work to pushing and fighting for all the qualities that we do not have that have not gone mm-hmm. away, that don't necessarily change in this administration. But right now we're about to be hype and we're going to set out hops and strolls and the, the Greek community is about <laughs> to kick it and black folks everywhere praying. Grandmamas are shouting in church uh, virtually or in real time. I don't know where these people are at this very moment, but we're going to take this win. <laughs> we're going to take it. Oh, shout out to Stacey Abrams, too. 
right? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 Um, I, Dr. Chris and I were just talking about, I really had my doubts that Georgia was never going to turn blue. But, you know, her and, like, her team of um, uh, pollsters and uh, people that volunteered to help, you know, get the word out for the election, like, they they made that shit happen. Like, you know, that is, is surmounting almost impossible odds and to be able to pull that off in such a, you know, divisive uh, climate right now. Like that is, I mean, yes, my, my hat goes off to Abrams and like her entire team that, you know, pulled that through. Well, I just think that it goes to show this election has showed that your vote actually does matter. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) we came out, we showed out and look what happened. Change happened. So like, this is this is really monumental and important, and I hope everybody sees that. Really, when you vote, it does matter. I hope right. I hope people get so excited that they stay checked mm-hmm. in. Right. Yes. I hope that people who were concerned about you know how the numbers came to be, or wait, how do we get here, or why didn't this person win or this person lose? I hope that at least gets them involved in local politics and who's running it, like. I'm excited to see people with, you know, cases get their voting privileges back. Yeah. I can't think of another person who is invested in a judge than somebody who is trying to navigate life with a felony on their, their record. It's Mm -hmm. so hard. Like we, you know, we all were in training in Inglewood. I mean, think about all your patients that have felony cases on and, Mm -hmm. They're trying to come in and figure out how to, you know, they're talking about stuff like trying to navigate things and, you know, some of the realest conversations I have. So I hope that they have taken those votes all the way through. I hope they were in line with everybody else. I hope they voted for judges that they thought would help them out. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. It's exciting mm-hmm. to see how many people voted on both sides. And it was exciting to see that, you know, I think people thought, oh, you know, COVID and we're not going to get any, you know, how are people going to vote? Are they going to mail in their ballots? Are people going to sit at home? But it looks like the American people were really energized and they voted, whether it be by mail, in person. Mm-hmm. I am not mm-hmm. mad at Americans. Do your thing. That's right. Please. Yeah. Even when they were taking time for these results to come in, I'm like, that's fine. Take the time. Open those envelopes. Right. I'm good. Vote. Like, I mean, it's, count them. It's cool. Count them. We're we're here. Where are we going? Where are we going? We're in a pandemic. <laughs> we got all day. Like we're yeah, you know, we're home. You know, people oh. were like, "Oh, stop counting the votes!" Or no, no, count them all. Count them all. No, stop counting. I'm like, listen, if y'all don't count all those damn votes, right. like just take your time, <laughs> do it. And you know that those rules are different state by state. There are some yeah. states where they don't even start counting until the end of election day. Cause some people are like, oh, well, people who voted early, you guys didn't count these already? No, it changes state by state. There's different state laws. And if they have like, you know, little Agnes over there, 75 (laughs) years old, volunteering poll worker, and little Agnes don't start counting until the end of election day, She's got to have the time to go through and, and count all these votes. Right. She does. And then they're going to sit here, stretch little Agnes, and she on 75 and she got to start from one again. Right. Like, Ms. Agnes is in there trying to count these votes. Right. arthritis. Right. And then People she outside back with guns. Once. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With guns, talking about some stop the count. Ms. Agnes is here just trying to count these votes. You know, right. this is her, you know, yeah. 20th election. You know, it might right. be her last one. She don't know, but she just want to count. She's just trying to count. She's just trying to harass her. Yeah, no, like that that scene in front of like uh, the Detroit, the TCF Center. I don't know if you guys saw it, but like people actually came up like up to the the polling uh, 
uh, center, like where they were counting all the votes yeah. and they were banging on the doors, like stop the count, stop the count. And, you know, and people like had their guns on you, they you know, concealed carry. So it was like a real, like a real thing. Do people but, hear yeah, themselves I, when they say that? Stop, sir? stop counting. I just want to know if people hear themselves. Like there are supposed no. to be counted and you, and you're like, yeah, stop count, but stop counting them. No. No, so stop, hey, counting, no, stop counting, counting them in this state. Don't you continue to count in that state because we're going to win that state. But don't don't count them here because we're probably we're probably going to lose that state. That's that's what's going through their heads, which obviously makes no sense. But every anyway, vote should count. Every vote should count. Shout yeah. out to your home state, no, no, because Michigan. That was the first like, woo! I was like, oh man, we flipped Michigan. Yes, I was like Wisconsin. Yes, I was uh, like, wow. Big Gretch got it done. <laughs> you got. It couple more terms out of me for sure but um now you know yes. that she no it was she, she's been pushing hard detroit carried that entire state let the record show <laughs> detroit's which is like 95 percent black like that that single urban center wayne oakland whatever county they carried the entire state and you were seeing that in a lot of the, the uh, states that turned blue like a lot of their um their voting ba uh, base or why they turned blue came out of like the big urban centers for the, for the state. So Atlanta, Philly, um, just everywhere, like everywhere you saw like a majority population of black folks, you were seeing that trend going. So that just shows like the black vote is very powerful. And like what Dr. Chris just said, your vote, your vote counts. So let's mm -hmm. keep this energy going. Cause I mean, this is like the biggest election, probably the most, serious one that we've had like in a very long time but we still got to keep that momentum going for when they come down the, the pipeline and before i forget yeah because dr sunshine has been telling me to do this for like the past two episodes and i keep forgetting we actually get a uh statistics of like how we're doing um like how many downloads we get and we actually just hit a thousand downloads as of yesterday Hey! Oh! Yay! A thousand! Wow, y'all really like us. Hey. Yes. So I Ooh, just want to. They like me. Oh, I think. Yes, they, they really like us. Ah. Ah. Oh, so thank you oh, guys right. again. No, you're good. Uh, I'll let you have your moment. But so again, thank you all for like continuing to support us. Um, but remember that to see our episodes or to like be the first to see them when they drop. Um, you have to subscribe to our channel on whatever podcast form that you like to use. Um, and yeah, so we got a lot of good content coming out, including for today. So continue to subscribe, support, and know. We haven't even been doing this show that long to have like a thousand people interested. <laughs> well, no, to me, right? a thousand sounds like a lot. I'm like, so did we just start doing this like a, a month or two ago? <laughs> I was like, yeah. that's really bad. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I know it seems so early. And I'm like, y'all really like listening to us. That's so nice. Yeah, we famous. It is. This is this is really. <laughs> so we famous. I don't know if we famous. I don't think we famous. No, no, we're but not it's famous. okay though. It's okay though. We really appreciate it. Because you know we just enjoy my... just talking to each other. I mean, we really do. Like this is just us on a normal Saturday. We're just yeah. recording it for y'all. So yeah, <laughs> this is so true. Y'all. Yeah. 
This just sounds the same before we hit record, and it continues after we stop, like mm-hmm. nonstop. <laughs> yes, it really sounds does. the exact same. I know because we're just talk- we're just talking amongst each other before we hit the record button, and then we just continue talking. So you guys are literally like part of you know our discussion and our conversation, which is really nice. So um, thanks so much, guys. I'm gonna actually transition us into my trending topic of the day. So basically, my trending topic is an article that I ran across. It's a National Geographic article. It came out the end of last month. And it's basically an article. It's titled Black Americans See a Healthcare System That is Infected by Racism in a New Poll that they just did. So basically, um, when you have the time, you guys can, of course, find this National Geographic article. But in the article, what they did is they interviewed 777 Black people in America from different states. And they basically did a survey and they asked them a multitude of questions. Um, If you actually read through this whole article, they basically tap into how Black people have felt about the pandemic and if they feel emotionally supported and economically supported. And do they personally know someone who's died? Things like that. And then they have a whole section where they talk about healthcare. And when they actually got to surveying these Black people and asking them about healthcare, the numbers were, to those of us that work in healthcare who are of color, a lot of these are not shocking numbers to us, but seven out of 10 African-Americans basically say that they have been treated unfairly based on race in the medical healthcare system. And then, you know, there's also a lot of different statistics and they kind of break this down into whether this has happened like in an office or in a hospital and they kind of get to the nitty gritty. But ultimately about 70% of people or more think that they've been treated unfairly based on race or their background. And then 83% of people feel that the doctors have been providing this suboptimal care to them and that has led to worse health outcomes and widening of the health disparities. I bring up this article because, and it's super extensive and it has like, and in the article they actually interview um the 777 Black people, in addition to Hispanics and whites, all participate in the survey, and they have like really nice visuals, and they show you how they feel about it. But the Blacks and Hispanics overwhelmingly feel like, one, they're not heard by the health system. Two, they're treated unfairly based on race and ethnicity. And three, all of these things compounded above are leading to poor health outcomes within their personal community, especially during COVID. Um, so it's a really interesting article. I encourage everybody to take a glance at it. But I can say for myself that these numbers are not surprising to me. How do you all feel about these numbers? Does it sound too high, too low, or on par? I mean, I definitely think COVID has inflated those numbers quite a bit just because it now brings to light, which has been brought to light multiple times before, like the major health disparities that we see, um, you know, serving our uh, minority communities. Um, You know, in places like Chicago, Detroit, New Orleans, again, predominantly Black uh, cities within the U.S., you're seeing, you know, people who get COVID are, I believe, it's six times more likely to have more severe complications from it. Um, And you're seeing that trend along among a bunch of different cities within the U.S. And that's also controlling for other factors like socioeconomic um, factors as well. So, Literally, you can get, I mean, so you're at higher risk of getting COVID just because you're Black um, and taking everything out, everything else out of it. Like that, that would be a shocking statistic to hear uh, coming from my end. But I definitely think this pandemic has brought that to light a lot more um, clearly than has done in the past. I I would agree. I think that um, when I talk to my, my Black patients, um, my Spanish speaking patients, there is, I'm not shocked anymore to hear them discuss concerns that their needs weren't being met 
or that their concerns weren't heard. You know, you get a lot of, I've been trying to tell somebody this the whole time, but nobody's listening to me. And Mm -hmm. it's hard. It is hard as a black doctor because you've been trained in a system um, with everyone else. And you are constantly navigating, trying to make sure you don't develop biases that won't, that take away the benefit of being a, a black woman in a healthcare system that can hear it a different way. Um, so it's something that I'm really conscious to. I've been a patient, right? So I've been a patient before and I've also been been a doctor and no one ever knows I'm a doctor when I'm in the hospital or I'm in the clinic or I'm doing something. My doctor knows, right? But you know, when you're coming in and you're you're interfacing with the system, sometimes you are really clear on on what that is. I don't know if we talked about this before, but remember when I had my surgery? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, uh, our Mitri had to rush me to the hospital, back to the hospital because of like the extreme stomach oh. pain I was having. Yeah. Uh huh. And I mean, I, y'all, I was, I thought I was going to die. Like I really did. I was like, sweet Jesus. Like if you're going to take me now, just go on and get me because my stomach hurts so bad. And I remember going to get an ultrasound but before i got the ultrasound because i was in so much pain they gave me iv morphine like i don't know like a milligram or something and to somebody who's never had morphine y'all know what happened like 10 minutes later i was like and i I mean just i felt great right i was just like all right this is cool yeah it's just thank you so much (laughs) and um and so then i got rolled down for an ultrasound and she did the ultrasound and you know seemed fine and i went back in i could feel her pressing and you know I, i could still feel a little bit of the pain but my pain was well controlled. So there was no sense in me sitting there screaming and yelling. So I let her do the ultrasound and I went back and uh, I could read. So as there, as the the report is open, I can see in the report over the shoulder that she's put um, the tech has put press really hard on abdomen was not able to reproduce the pain. Mm. Now. Yeah. She is the tech, right? She doesn't have. She doesn't. And she doesn't do a physical exam. She's there to do the imaging, send the imaging to the radiologist, and report it as is. But as a doctor, I absolutely know what that's implying. She, who was not there at my initial assessment, uh, was not aware of my history. Did not know that two days before I was just in her same hospital having a surgical procedure is implying that she's not really sure why I'm down here for this abdominal ultrasound because her pain doesn't seem to be real to her. Mm. And I have heard patients describe a situation where they thought they were in a lot of pain and, and no one heard them. And so they did not receive adequate pain management. Nobody did the full workup. But the idea that she would put it in the chart made me understand that she had maybe unconsciously so inserted a bias so that when my doctors or my medical team are reading it, if they are not conscious to it or if they are not really thorough in their assessment, they could have just sent me home to say no. Now, I'm lucky, lucky that, you know, I'd gone to medical school there. I was a a resident there. 
and the team knows me. I happen to be in the emergency room with people that, you know, had been my instructors. And so you get the appropriate care. And my surgeon was like, I already called the office and he happened to get the information to say, yes, please admit her. But, you know, I know what happens. I've experienced it. And I thought there was no reason for her to feel the need to document that. It wasn't her role at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I get it. There's lots of bias in, in healthcare, uh, and we we hurt people when we do it. And so I think for me, I just I'm always telling myself it doesn't matter if you're black, you can still have bias because you trained in the same system as everybody else. And so I'm always conscious to trying to make sure, like, are you being thorough and making sure you've answered all the questions? Have you checked all the boxes? Because I know that they are telling the truth. I think for me, it's kind of different. I guess training in Cook County, it's just like most of the doctors that you work with, they're all, they all look like you, you know, mostly black. And then um, moving to someplace else where, I mean, I hear this a lot from a lot of my patients and I'm really not surprised. And they're coming, they literally are just like, oh yeah, I'm so happy. I have a black doctor. I feel like someone is going to actually listen to me and really care about, you know, what I'm going through. And it's kind of like, sometimes I just feel like, wow, this is really sad. Like they don't, it's like, they feel like they're not cared for. And we should really be doing this for everyone, whether you're black, white, Asian, doesn't matter. But biases do exist, unfortunately. One thing that I think is really important is that I feel like every doctor, and I feel like, you know, the more that we kind of harp on it, the more that we have lectures on it, the more that we openly discuss it. I feel like every doctor in America should be... I'm trying to like articulate what I'm what I'm trying to convey. But I feel like, especially dealing with black and brown patients, I feel like every doctor should be aware that there is a there's a history there. Right. And there's a and there's a really dark history there. And it's filled with a lot of mistrust of the system. And because that history is there, like it's already been written, we can't change that, which means that the relationship that you have with this patient is very fragile mm-hmm. because they're already coming from a place where, you know, they would like to trust the system, but they've also heard from family members and lived through their own experiences that the system is not always created for them. Mm -hmm. So because you're starting off the visit and you're starting off your relationship with this patient, if you keep that in mind, then you should also know that you need to kind of go above and beyond to have a good rapport with this this patient because the patient is going to want to feel like you're going to advocate for them Mm -hmm. and that you're going to make the right decision on their behalf. It's so important to build the rapport and have the trust of the patient in order for the patient to also have a better standard of care. But then also, so you have to do the work as a physician to make sure that you don't have those biases that Amy Jo was just talking about, because you have to check yourself and make sure that you're doing the best thing that you can possibly do for this patient, regardless of if they're black, white, Hispanic, Asian. And you also have to do the work of understanding what their cultural norm is and, and the best way for you to treat them. And just because you're the doctor doesn't mean that what you say is is golden. And every patient doesn't have to do things the way that you have been trained to tell them to do it. And you have to stay open. You have to be willing to learn, be willing to grow as a physician. And I feel like a lot of our colleagues are still learning that. And even I'm still learning that as I change, you know, my patient population. Um, and it just takes work. And I just think that we all should be reminded, you know, anybody in the medical profession, anybody in healthcare should be reminded that you got to put in that work. 
You do. That's right. That's true. Exactly. Shout out to always getting stuck with all of the all of the uh, very aggressive, complicated patients uh, in our oh, clinic yeah. because I think you know, and I used to, I would hear it like, oh, you know what? I think Amy Jo MD will be good for you. Uh, and I'd be like, oh, here we go. I know they've been, in a, in a, I know they've been up there cursing like nobody's business. Um, so, you know, one of the benefits of being stuck with patients that we label, you know, aggressive or, you know, really difficult was you really learn how to function in dysfunction. Like I think I tell people all the time that I think family, a big part of family medicine is getting used to fu- highly functioning in a dysfunctional system that also includes patients' opinions and thoughts about what they are or are not going to do. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's kind of hard because you know the answer, right? You know the answer. Like you've studied it. You have seen what happens when, you know, you do it just like this. And you are so certain that if we do this, they're going to feel better or get better. And they're like, no. Yeah. That's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And you have to check your ego at the door to say, okay, we can still do it your way and we can still gain some ground and get you to better health. And that is really difficult, especially fresh out of training, because you have all this information in your head. You you're still reading 10 million articles and you just pass boards and you have all these facts and these data and all this stuff. And you're like, you know, spilling your your guts, you know, <laughs> flowing out all this data. And they're like blinking at you like, yeah, but we're not going to do that. And you're like. Coming in, <laughs> what, what do you mean? We're not right, doing. right. And so, um, and oh, I imagine like- <laughs> that's I imagine that's where the that's where the disconnect comes in, right? Where doctors are like, okay, fine. Well, then you you're just not invested in your care because you can't see it the way I see it. And so, one of the things I feel like I had to tell myself was they don't have to be invested in your vision to still very much care about what they want. And it's changed like how I educate. It's changed like how I do it. Like even for like nutrition and stuff like that, I always tell them, I don't believe when you get up in the morning, you put your feet on the ground that you intend to do things that's going to do harm down the line. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's your intention just so that we're clear. So now Mm -hmm. what do we do? Like, what would you like to do? Here are all the options. What would you prefer to do? And I think it's just helped me personally navigate their choices Mm -hmm. and still maintain my passion that I can help them get better. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think part funny. of, yeah, part of the, you know, education and, you know, when we go through medical school, um, you know, we have uh, clinicals and preclinical years. Um, and I really think a big part of that kind of mentality is just that, you know, it's, it's historic, like doctors are the doctor and you are the patient. So anything I say you need to do, you need to do it. Otherwise you're, like what Dr. Amy Joe was saying, you're non-compliant. That's like a buzzword, non-compliant with your care. And, you know, there's you know, no hope for you, essentially. But, you know, medicine as a field is extremely fluid. Like we're learning new things every day. And there's so many solutions to just one problem that you may have that, you know, if there is one plan that your doctor suggests for you and you don't like it, that's fine. You can disagree. Um, but you got to kind of meet us halfway on something that we suggest for <laughs> you. Like if we're telling you don't eat that bag of sugar because your diabetes will like go out of control and you're like, nah, I'm going to be like, nah, sir. No, no, we're not going to do that. Um, but here's what we can do, you know, and we kind of work, we 
kind of tailor your plan so that it best fits with what your goals are. And ultimately, our goal is to see you get healthy and to improve your health outcomes. So you kind of, you know, you kind of got to meet us halfway with that in order for us to, you know, actually be, you know, helping with your care. My first day on my job in North Carolina, I did exactly that. My first patient, I was like, okay, it's diabetic, not well controlled. I have this whole plan. Like, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. My first patient, so excited, <laughs> went in the room, excited with my plan. He's like, mm, no, don't want to lose weight. Done that before. Nope, not going to work. No. <laughs> I felt so deflated. I was just like. You're oh, so fat. Shut it down. Shut it down. Like, he shut me down, like all the way down. And I'm just like, man. And then it just like messed up my, like my whole day. I wasn't even as excited. I'm like, it was my first patient. I was like, yeah, we're going to do this. I was super excited. I'm amped. And I'm t- all these ladies could tell you, I am not very amped <laughs> at baseline. But I was amped. Like I had this whole plan. I was like, my plan is great. He's going to be on board. I can do this. He said no. And then you yeah. know what? It's so funny. At the beginning, he was just like, no, no, no. I kept seeing him over time. He got so much better. Just little, little bit of like changes here and there. And I think because he trusted me and Mm -hmm. I think it's because he saw that I cared and he made little changes here and there. And his A1C was like beautiful. I was so elated and so excited because it was so funny. It's because it's like, it brought me back to that first day I saw him and he was my first patient and (laughs) didn't, wasn't wasn't trying to hear anything that I said. And then and then um for some I actually met his wife and his wife was just like, Thank you, Dr. Chris, because you actually <laughs> got him to change. And I'm like, Really? Cause I was like, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Oh, no. This is gonna be a problem. Like, how am I gonna get through to this guy? And it worked. Yeah. So just, just patience, trust. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think that's really what is important. We've all been in our clinics long enough that we're starting to see some of those victories. Like we've been working just long enough that the A1Cs, the hypertension, the depression, you know, are just starting to to change. And man, those feel so good. Those feel yeah. so good when you can when you can make it work and you see patients, they're like, you know, I turned it on. Like I think I saw a lady, my last lady I saw like on Friday, she I hadn't seen her in six months and she came back she lost 35 pounds and I'm like oh wow. oh wow what have you been doing she was like you told me to eat vegetables listen I put everybody on plant-based diets you hear me like <laughs> everybody <laughs> so they're always like I did what you told me to do I ate vegetables now some of them walked out of my office and they were like I don't know if I can do that but like you said Dr. Chris they come back and they're like well I talked to my wife, I talked to my husband and they thought it was a good idea. And so we've all been, you know, eating more vegetables. We've been trying plant-based stuff. We found, uh, what's her name? Uh, Miss Tabitha. Is that her name? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. oh my gosh. Like I have a couple of patients said, you know, we found Miss Tabitha. So, you know, we kind of believe that's as doable. And uh, those feel, those feel great because I... I'm in South Carolina and I mean, you know, you're pulling out every stop. Like you're shaking pom-poms. Like you're like, I will do anything I can do to try to figure out how to get you back on board. And um, Mm -hmm. 
it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. But, uh, and they don't trust the system. They don't, they, they, they shake you about the medicines. Yep. Um, I've learned to be really clear about what the side effects of some of these medicines are. Like, listen here, one, listen, do not come back telling me you can't take metformin because it makes you poop. Because I know. <laughs> because you have an A1C of 25 <laughs> and you eat too much sugar and because metformin does not allow you to absorb sugar in your gut that food and that sugar is sitting there and you know it's going to attract water so what do you think happens when you got water and food and sugar in your gut it's just a tube under pressure it's got two options so <laughs> that's what's going to happen it's going to yeah. blow you're going to blow <laughs> so and you are blowing and, and you know what? Surprisingly, just that little bit of education, people are like, oh. And I'm like, you know, yeah. fix the diet, fix the fix the side effect. And I've had people come back saying, you know what? I don't have those symptoms anymore since I cleaned it up and everything. But you could not have convinced them to take it if I had not taken the time to like actually break it down. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. my, my ego has been tucked in. You know what one of my patients told me? One of my patients told me that he was like, from the patient perspective, finding a doctor is like dating. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he was like, you know, you go see a doctor for the first time, you know, you're feeling out the vibe, you know, like is, is you know, the way they explain stuff, does it mesh with how you process stuff? You know, is the doctor drawing pictures for you? Am I a visual learner? He's like, you know, you go to all these different doctors and you feel them out. He's like, and then when you find a doctor that you're like, man, I think I kind of like this. I think we got some chemistry. Like, I think this is good. Then, you know, your way of asking out the doctor is to be like, hey, like, can you be my primary care doctor? Like, can, you, <laughs> can I be on your panel? It's like, I've met you a couple times. I really like this. I, I like this relationship. I like what we're doing here. And he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, and then after that, you just work on your relationship and it grows from there. And, you you know, in theory, that's like the best doctor patient relationship. He's like, non, he's like non-romantic, of course. I was like, of course. <laughs> He was like an older guy. He was an older guy. So I was like in his 60s. He's like, because every doctor isn't built for every patient, True. you know, and every and every patient needs something different. Some patients need a doctor that's a little more like, nah, bro, <laughs> like you got to do this. And some some patients need a little more woo, 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 woo. I'm here for you. You can cry on my shoulder. You know, it all it all depends on what you need. Yeah. So, but you do need that relationship to be strong in order for them to start trusting you and to, and for them to see through the process, because a lot of these conditions, it's a process. These are things you're going to be managing for a long time. So I think that that's, that's a really good kind of like, <laughs> that was a really good way for him to explain it to me. Cause I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, are you saying that you want to be on my panel? He's like, yes. Can I please be your patient? And I was like, yeah, Aww. you can be my patient. Aww. That's so yeah. cute. Oh my goodness. Y'all, can you believe it's November already? No, absolutely. Yo. 2020 has been weird because I feel like time is moving fast and slow at the same time because I'm also like, gosh, how long is this year? But then I'm also <laughs> like, dang, but it's like November though. <laughs> November is here. We just had Halloween, uh, which of course now means we've kicked off the holiday season. And with Thanksgiving and Christmas around the corner, we've got to talk about surviving the holiday. Um, yes. And I would oh be gosh. less than honest if I was not concerned about what Thanksgiving and Christmas 2020 um, will look like and what people are going to do and just how everything is going. So we got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think before we even get into like surviving the holidays, because that's what, that's what we really want to discuss. 
we just got to talk about some holiday etiquette and what that means in this current pandemic. So we are still in a global pandemic and our numbers have never been higher. I think we are, we were 120,000 cases in one, uh, in one day, uh, which is as high as we've had. We've all, you know, Dr. Nono is a hospitalist. We have tons of friends that are hospitalists and um, tons of sites where we get to talk to other people and ICUs are full. So um, just some, you know, I was reading a few articles. I was looking at the CDC uh, website and and reading some articles, New York Times, different places like that. And and something to remember in the setting of COVID is uh, COVID is actually on increasing in the trend. So that makes travel and spending time uh, very dangerous. And, you know, people are still going to travel. Now, there was an article in New York Times that said that when they did the survey, about 28% of people plan to travel this year versus 50, 53 to 58% this time last year. So travel is down, but it doesn't make it less dangerous because you know you are going to bring with you anything that you picked up. Now, there was a study in Harvard that talked about um, mask wearing and the, the HEPA filters that they've put in the planes now mm-hmm. actually make the, the, the actual flight relatively safe it well relatively safe right so they think sitting once you're in the plane and you are flying to your location that has about the same risk as eating out grocery shopping it's about that level the hmm. problem is the steps of travel right you, you to get to and from the plane is still going to carry high risk because you are running into a lot of people it's hard to convince people to stay safe not touch things not touch their mask, scratch their eyes, you know, rub their nose. And so, you know, there's that. Um, also, people need to know that I think effective December 1st, I think for most airlines, the middle seat is mm-hmm. uh, going away because the demand has gone up. So there'll be fewer flyers, but there will be fuller planes. Mm. So for people who are getting ready to travel, what you got to know is that you're probably going to be sitting next to someone. So that middle seat thing is not going to be an issue because of the demand is a little bit higher and airlines want to make money. And so they're going to fill up the center seat starting December 1. That's not surprising at all because they haven't had the ability to make this money all year long. So now they're finally like, wow, we can finally make some money. Of course, they're going to fill the middle seat. Why not? Did right. they just get a bailout though? A couple billion or something like that? Yeah, that bailout is gone. Um, that's fine. That's, yeah, I was probably, I was going to say that's probably gone. They've been doing this on American for a long time. They've been filling the middle seat. The American was just like, get y'all, we fill the middle seat. Right, but everybody's going to go to fill in the seat. American right. kind of said, you know, we, we got to make some money, and so we're going to fill the seat. But, you know, starting December 1, I think, like, Southwest Airline um, oh, is going to no. be filling their middle seat, and they have been traditionally keeping the middle seat open. Um, uh, one quick tip, though, if you want a way to not uh, – to still try to keep yourself as safe as possible, apparently sitting at the window, sitting on the window seat. That way you're not interacting with all of the traffic that comes up and down the aisle. Seems to be ideal. But it's going to be, you know, lots of interaction, touching people and things, and it's going to increase your risk of of getting COVID. And COVID is um, alive and well and spreading rapidly. So, that, that is one thing to keep in mind. Um, also, some airlines are going to start testing real time on site. So, mm. yeah, there's some there's some 
some plans in process to have you get tested so that you can avoid quarantine. I am sure that's going to vary state to state. And I am sure by the time this episode comes out and before we get to Thanksgiving, we could have a whole new whole new flow yeah new workflow (laughs) you know because the numbers are going to go up the states are going to you know start highlighting red again and depending on what that state you know requires they may not care that you got a a negative COVID at the time of the flight they may still want you to quarantine but you know they're playing with the idea that you know if you get tested you know can you potentially then be deemed safe they're talking about that here in California a lot yeah. because there's a lot of patients that are like, before I take this trip for work, they want me to have like a PCR specifically, like the PCR test yes. done X amount of time before the flight. And you have to print out the results and it has to say it's a PCR test and not an engine test and not all these other different types of tests. And the airlines are like sending out this information. They're like, yo, they're being really specific about it. So then I'm sure like, like you said, this is going to evolve from now all throughout the holiday season because they're mm-hmm. switching from PCR to rapid to this kind of rapid to like, ugh. we'll PCR see. PCR is the way to go. So, and a lot of people, I, you know, I had somebody call me the other day to say, you know, can you help me? Like they were trying to travel their, um, their first grandbaby was being born. They were trying to get on the plane and they were trying to figure out the difference, PCR, antigen test. PCR right now is what we call in medical communities, the gold standard meaning the most accurate, the most appropriate test you can get. Why? Because you can take a little tiny piece of the DNA from a virus and you don't need much of it. And the test will make so many copies of it, we'll be able to identify it very clearly. The antigen test um, requires you to have enough viral load in there to actually trigger the test to be positive. And so it can be inaccurate. And so that is why you hear people saying, which kind of test did you have? Did you have a PCR test? Did you have an antigen test? Um, and so you got to know which one it is because different states require different things. And it is the responsibility of the traveler, of the person to know which test you took and what the state requires. Um mm-hmm. And also timing matters. Um, I see a lot of on Instagram, on Facebook of, I know I just saw a picture of them out the night before. And then the next day they're like going to take my test so I can, you know, go back. And I'm like, what? That's not a thing. (laughs) It's not a thing at all. Wait, So they did the trip. They finished the trip and now they're taking the test to go back home. To go like go back home or go back to work or you know go visit grandma or something like that like oh I went out let me get this test to make sure I'm good that's no. not how the test works though <laughs> that's not how the test works I've seen a lot of people say oh well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go hang out in I don't know Nevada blame the election for that being in my head um, <laughs> and I just got back to Chicago and I'm gonna go to work tomorrow I sure hope I don't have COVID let me just take a test. Well, if you were only in, if you're only in Nevada for three days and then you took the test day three, that may not be enough time. So you need about five to eight days mm-hmm. after exposure to someone with COVID that was indeed positive to really ensure that you're going to have an accurate test, mm-hmm. which I think is a problem why we have so many people there saying, I don't understand what happened. You know, these tests are stupid. I was negative. And now I'm positive. Like, well, you got tested day two, you know? <laughs> yeah, you were negative, but now you're having symptoms and now you're positive. And so people have to, 
I think people don't understand the timing. So Mm -hmm. if you are going to travel, you really need to responsibly isolate for your 10 days. I agree. Get your PCR test and then go see grandma. I mean, and if going along kind of, you know, if you do have to travel via plane, um, I think Amy, Joe, MD, what her recommendations were, were solid. Um, But if you can, I highly recommend, you know, personal car, minimal stops and just go straight through. Um, That way you can kind of decrease the number of people that you've had access with. You know, everyone that's in your household that has been tested is in the car. And that way you can be sure that you're not getting any additional exposure, you know, on your road trip, you know, over to where you're supposed to be going. When you gas up, you need to clean your hands Mm -hmm. before and after, right? So, because you get in the car and it, it decreases your, like these days, I do nothing in my car except for drive and listen to music. Like I don't eat in my car. I don't snack in my car. Like I am not allowed to touch my face, anything like that. And so that was the one thing I thought about. Driving in the car definitely controls your environment better. Just make sure that when you're getting gas, everybody's touched that gas handle. And you need to have clean hands before and then have your hand sanitizer or have your wipes or whatever mm-hmm. and clean your hands again before you enter back into the car because you're going to introduce whatever was on that that gas handle into your vehicle. So just make sure if you're going to travel, if you must travel, clean your hands. I think that one of the, well, I don't know where Amy Joe's is going to transition to, but I feel like a lot of people are finding it very exhausting that when they finally get to their destination and they are around their family of having to police their family members, Mm -hmm. because now you've done everything that you were supposed to do. You got to the destination. Now you're around auntie, uncle, cousins, all of them. And then they are probably more than likely not following, depending on what state you're going to, they might not be wearing masks. They're not taking these seriously. So then that's exhaust. That's also exhausting, you know, as a person who's trying to be very diligent and you have family members who you have missed for so long and you love them dearly, but they are frustrating the bejesus out of you because you're like, guys, <laughs> yeah. what is happening? Yeah. All while, you know, you're trying to have Thanksgiving, you're trying to catch up, you're trying to like have all that human interaction that you haven't had in person, but it's still a pandemic. So it's exhaust mentally. It can be draining. That's all. So you're right. So this, this kind of, um, just so we can transition, because another part we're going to talk about is like managing your like your mental health during the holidays and how to interact. And one of those things is managing some unmet expectations. So you are assuming that your friends and family are as concerned as you are, and then you get there and it's not happening. And so I think for people who are going to be trapped for the travelers, you got to set a plan. One of the things that one of the articles I read was saying that, you know, hotels are actually very empty. So there's sometimes the safest space when picking between staying with family and staying with friends. And maybe this is a year where I know you normally stay, you know, at your favorite cousin's house because it's so fun. This might be the year to just go ahead and book that room because the prices are really reasonable. You can always decide that you're going to you go ahead and sleep, you know, wherever. But if you get to someone's home and all of a sudden they are not wearing masks, um, there are way more people there than you thought, because that's going to happen. You at least uh, get to keep your mental health stable because you already had a plan in the event that your expectations were not met. So everybody needs to have a, this is the plan in the event that I get there. It is not going down the way I thought. That is just mm-hmm. a must 
for everyone to to keep your mental health stable in this holiday season. I completely agree. Um, they also suggested bringing your own food. Now that's a hard one for me because I, so I love Thanksgiving y'all. It's my favorite holiday. I could throw away all the rest of them, but Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because I love hanging out with my cousins and my family, um, my mom, my sister, my brothers, my nieces, and I love eating all the size. I kind of been a quasi vegetarian for a long time. You, I don't need any of the meat. I just want the mac and cheese, the sweet potatoes, the dressing, and the greens. Like, no turkey. I mean, really? nah, I don't need it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I would eat it, but I, I don't. I don't have to have it. Like my life, li- I live for the sides. You hear me? Like for the sides, I'm here for them. Oh, I'm gonna be so sad. If y'all can see the look I'm giving Amy Jo MD right now, it is look and the look that I'm giving her back because I do not care. Like I'm all about the sides, right? <laughs> I love them. I love them. But Amy Joe's like, I see your face and I will raise you. Right. <laughs> She's, judging me. She's judging me. But right. um it I, you know, and so they were talking about like bring your own food because one of the concerns is that if somebody has COVID, they don't know it yet, or they're swearing to you that this is just a sinus infection. Because how many of those ended up being COVID in, in my office? Right. Um <laughs> Just and in the meantime, they've been using their flonase real quick in the bathroom and then coming out, you know, grabbing a spoon, you know, making plates for everyone, stuff like that. You know, all this cross contamination, there's concern that we're going to contaminate people through that kind of contact, mm-hmm. right? Because in your mind, you've washed your hands, you're making your plate, you've done that thing, but you're you're leaning on everybody being strictly obedient to the most safe practice. It doesn't always happen. Somebody's going to touch something that's going to contaminate it. We do it every year. We just don't care because last Thanksgiving wasn't trying to kill us. <laughs> it wasn't a pandemic. <laughs> but we right. weren't a pandemic. Right. So, you know, I, so I, I you know, if that one's a hard one to roll with, you know, I hear them like bring your own food, but what's the point of traveling for Thanksgiving if I got to bring my own food? <laughs> Man, exactly. Like, horrible. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. use plastic stuff. Plastic utensils. I mean, single Everybody use. Everybody got their own stuff. No. And you know what? I've been trying my best not to like overanalyze things. So I'm trying not to be that girl or be that doctor. And it's like, dang, doc, you so strict. But when you really just, when you just sit and I just think about my mom's house during Thanksgiving, think about every person who goes in and out of that refrigerator. Think about every person as you pass around that dish who touches that same scoop and spoon to scoop onto their plate and scoop onto their plate. Like yeah. everybody's touching this like serving spoon. Everybody's touching this fridge. People are yep. touching the bathroom doorknobs because they got to go pee. Like there's just so many surfaces that multiple people are touching right. and you can't keep up with everybody and you can't, you know, you, you, you are unable to keep track of how well or how diligent they're being about COVID. Mm-hmm. So if, and I feel like things like that, like things like this, if you think about it too deeply, it's going to drive you insane. So I try not to, mm-hmm. but because I know that that is a possibility and my relatives haven't changed. And sometimes, you know, your relatives, you'd be like, yo, you know, uncle so-and-so ain't doing that. Like you, you, just, <laughs> you, just, you just know, you know what I mean? And they're going to be at Thanksgiving. These are still your family members. They are still them. <laughs> right. So, right. Now you just tell them like, I got this. I'll get my own food. Thanks. <laughs> There we go. I got my I got, own, I got, I got my it. own scoop and spoon. Right. Dr. Chris gonna bring her own That's scoop right. and spoon. That's right. Pull out, pull her out the takeout plate. plates already. Right. I'm good. <laughs> make sure I'm everything for everybody else. Okay. <laughs> or maybe you just start doing, you know, pre. I don't know. It, yeah. It's hard. Let me first say, <laughs> you know, on behalf of the chocolate MDs, 
we think you should skip the holiday gatherings for yeah. this year, mm -hmm. just yeah. so we're clear. So even as we're navigating all these things, what really needs to happen this year is that everybody does Thanksgiving on their own, in their own homes. And we keep our loved ones safe by not having these family gatherings. However, we are family medicine doctors, so we know how y'all roll. <laughs> <laughs> and it don't matter what we think <laughs> and I know that there are family gatherings going down and uh, we're just trying to have some conversations about how to keep you as safe as possible and one of the most difficult things to navigate is how you're going to serve food in that home on Thanksgiving and on Christmas I'm not really sure that there is a safe way to do it so anyway, so speaking of, you know, other mental health issues, um, NAMI, uh, which is the National Alliance on Mental Health, uh, is reporting there before the holiday, right? There are about 60, the 64% of people already coping with some kind of mental illness, whether that be mild depression to severe depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, personality disorders, they're kind of all lumped in there. But that is a lot of people. And I'm sure you all have seen an uptick in people who are now coming in to discuss concerns about increased depression and anxiety. I have lots of patients that are like, you know what? I live alone. My kids are adults. I, I'm feeling depressed. And so trying to navigate that on top of the holiday season, on top of our civil unrest, on top of the COVID pandemic is going to be mm -hmm. increasingly hard throughout this. And so there were like a few, maybe like four or five steps that we just want to talk about really quickly if we can. Mm -hmm. So, so first thing you are not required to be excited about the holiday. <laughs> okay. Because it, if I'm already depressed and now I'm terrified of traveling. I've got this plane, this gas mask on. I'm looking around because I swear I'm going to get COVID. I have traveled. My grandma promised me that it was just going to be me and three other people. And that is 25 folks up in this house. And mm -hmm. I'm not hype about wanting to stay because I'm already low mood and there's just too many people here. It can be more pressure to feel like I'm supposed to be happy in this moment. But just so you know, you're not required to be excited about the holiday. I think that that's I think that that's a big one that's going to be hard for. Well, first of all, I think a lot of people are going to like to hear it. Like, I'm happy that you said that. But I feel like that's not a natural way for people to feel, which is even more important of a reason for you to mention it. Because these people are just not excited. They're worn out. Um, they're like, you know, I just don't want to do it. Which brings me to my second one. Burnout is real. Um, and this one probably speaks to a lot of young professionals. It speaks to, you know, people like us, you know, young doctors, uh, doctors in general, um, that I can think of nothing better to do on Thanksgiving than submit myself to the couch and not move for the whole day because I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. Um, so burnout is real and it's okay to acknowledge it and say, my treat to myself for this holiday season is that I just rest. Like holiday seasons can be an absolute day of rest and you can reflect from your couch or from your bed and be <laughs> excited about the fact that this holiday season, what I am giving thanks for is just that this, there's an opportunity in here just to break and right, have a small moment of quiet. 
Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of people out there who feel bad about feeling burnt out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'll expand on that just a little bit. There's a lot of people, especially a lot of my patients, where their jobs during the pandemic have been like grinding them into the ground. And I'm like, you know, it sounds like once you listen to them, you're like, no, it sounds like you might be a little burnt out. You need to take some time for yourself. And then they're like, you know, I really don't want to complain. I want to stay working because, you know, I'm I'm a lot better off than other people because mm-hmm. there are other people who have lost their jobs and don't have income. And I feel very grateful for what I have. So I don't have a right to complain. And they and they don't give themselves this room to recognize that they are burnt out mm-hmm. or even say, hey, I need days off. Mm-hmm. And I think that that transcends multiple industries, but especially the healthcare professionals, too, because you need to you need to recognize it and make time for it yourself. And I get that. You know, this whole rationalizing, it's very common in black and brown community. Like, oh, there's always somebody out there who got it worse than me, so I shouldn't be complaining. Like, that's that's right. very, very common amongst us. But you also have to give yourself a little grace sometimes, you know? Yeah, I think that's really important because um, recently I actually saw someone that was anxious. And funny enough, they are a mental health professional. But mm-hmm. they can recognize it for other people, but couldn't recognize that they were going through something themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And that they're taking the things home and then they need to have that time to rest and reflect. And I think and I and I felt that that resonated with me because, I mean, even for us as doctors, like we need we need that as well. Right. And because we're out here, we're we're talking to patients and we're trying to help them through their anxiety and their depression and then really not taking the time for us because we're just going through the motions and it, it doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to be something as big as like oh let me just go off the grid for a couple of months like we're not saying do that but essentially you know just make it a, a habit like schedule some time out of the day or you know just have like a day or two out of the week where you just dedicate time like to you like me, me personally i had a, like a really rough day you know over the past like couple of weeks like half my panel was COVID and we had a lot of people who were dying, you know, and that can be a lot to experience death, you know, every single day, you know, as a health professional or just as a person in general, you know, to be able to see that till I have to talk to the families, you know, again about, you know, this is what happened. And then actually having like sit there and just listen to like the cries and all that stuff like that wears down on anybody. So you need to make sure that you take time out for yourself, because if you don't take if you don't schedule time to take it out for yourself, it's going to catch up with you and you're going to have to take the time regardless. Like and it's going to be probably the most inconvenient time for you, but at least you can kind of head it up and know like, okay, like Tuesdays and Thursdays, I you know I talk to my girls or I watch the show or you know, I, I check in with my family. At least you have that time set aside so that you know that, all right, this is me time. I'm going to relax, reflect, meditate, you know, do what you got to do um, to kind of get refreshed and, you know, back in the game when you're able. I started doing yoga. I literally implemented that as of the beginning of September. I'm like, I need something to keep me still and centered and, you know, focusing on my breathing and my movements. Mm-hmm. And it has worked wonders. And I haven't done yoga since like med school. I didn't do yoga all throughout residency. And I'm like, where has this been my life? <laughs> I just been carrying these yoga mats around for like, you know, kicks and giggles. I was like, oh, yeah. Mind you, I still I have two here. Wait, from the then- uh, from the, uh, the retreat? 
Now, mind you, there was one day during residency in Chicago where they treated us to this retreat and we had like a yoga session and I'd already had a mat at home, but I hadn't done yoga for the the entire three years I was there. And now that I'm out here in California and of course everybody do yoga out here, they do yoga. People do yoga by themselves just in a green space, a patch of grass, they got a mat, put it out. But it's definitely something I had to um, implement, you know, for my personal mental health. But not to interrupt Amy Jo MD, you gave us two. What's what's the what's the third one? <laughs> Ironically enough, uh, Dr. Nono kind of talked on it. So reach out to someone if you're feeling isolated. I I I FaceTime and video chat without shame these days. Like I used to have a little bit of consciousness to be like, oh, you know, maybe not. Nah, man. I'm hitting video on on the regular because <laughs> I recognize that as an extreme extrovert, I need some connection and and for a minute, you can get confused with the work you're doing in your clinic as your connection. But that's your job. And I, I love my patients. Like, we have so many conversations. Like, me and my patients are kicking it. Like, I, I had to break some hearts to tell some people, like, you know you don't need to come every three months, right? You need it twice a year. And they're like, what? Why? Like, what do you mean? Like, because we're kicking it. Like, you're fine. You're healthy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't got no health conditions right. trying to see Amy go every three months. I just refilled your medicine for a year. Like, you do not have to see me. But, you know, and so <laughs> you you will get, you, when the, when the, when the pandemic first started, you know, you're still having all those connections, but you're really, really isolated and you're coming home. Um, and so... I connect all the time because I recognize that if I don't have those connections, then I will definitely see some some low mood. I, I'm just sure of it. So, you know, reach out, call friends, family, um, call your doctor, uh, let them know, like, you know, um, the current connections aren't working. But yes, tell someone, girl, mm-hmm. I need to talk to you because I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. Good friends will answer for you. Anyway, Dr. Nono is a champion of answering no matter what. Let me just say, uh, Dr. Chris, you might, nah, she ain't answering. Uh, but <laughs> I do though. I do sometimes. She, she answers sometimes. If I had to count one person that is going to answer, Dr. Nono is going to answer the phone. I mean, my phone is literally like a part of my body. So I, I never really come without it. Well, I mean, why I don't answer because my phone is not always next to me. <laughs> and it's never charged, but we talked about that last That's episode. True. We're not gonna, That's true. Yeah, That's but true. yeah. Yo, Chris and Chris got the nerve to be calling you back like three hours later, but sounded urgent. Like she'll sound urgent. She'd be like, Oh, yo, that's my bad. Like, what's up? What's up? What's up? I'm like, yo, it's Girl, been three hours. Like, if I was dying, if I was dying, I'm dead already, friend. <laughs> but I still love you though. I know what I'm saying. Like, if you Hilarious. don't call me like three hours later, I don't need the urgency in your voice. Like, I just, you can just say, you can just say hello. But what's that's up? When I like, it. That's when I saw it. So it's urgent to me. Yeah. It <laughs> definitely answers like, hey, hey, I'm sorry, Mr. Call. What's up? You be like, I, I forgot now. It's a joke. Okay. I know. Right. Like, I forgot. My bad. I'm like, my gosh. Reach out. We, Listen, we all reach out. We talk a lot, if you can believe it. Um, mm-hmm. We have a we have you know text messaging. We've got you know our you know our recording episodes, uh, but we we probably are all talking to each other about something <laughs> all the time. Like there's always something going down. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
shooting the shit is very cathartic. Like, honestly, like you need to have a group of girls or whoever that you need to do that with. And I honestly, it's, it's probably the most cathartic thing you could do just to kind of get all those like frustrations off of your chest. And you honestly feel so much lighter at the end of it. Like it's, it's great. Maybe one of the last points we'll make. There are more, but you know, we we hit the managing unmet expectations. But it brings me to um, so we call it major depressive disorder, MDD, which to most of you all is just depression, which is fine. But depression can have a pattern, right? It can have a seasonal pattern. So we talk about like see we call it seasonal affective disorder. So some people have certain seasons, it's often in the winter where you're not out as much. You're not getting as much sun exposure, which means your vitamin D is getting activated and people feel lower moods. This is probably going to get I've seen um, seasonal affective disorder kick in earlier. So most of the time I'm expecting all my seasonally depressed people to come in right about now. Mm-hmm. But they're like two months early because everybody's been in the house isolating due to COVID. So I'm seeing all these people that are like, I don't know what's wrong. You know, it's not the anniversary of a loved one. It's not the holiday season. It's not all the things that normally trigger them. But, Doc, I am feeling low. And I just think it's because they're in the house and we're mimicking winter. I'm doing Mm. air quotes for people who can't see it. We're mimicking the winter months a little bit earlier because everybody had to come in to protect themselves from COVID. But it's a thing. Um, So... It can have a pattern. It's not your imagination. And if you are feeling those symptoms and if you're reaching out, talking to your friends, talking to family, talking to a significant other is not helping, it is time to call us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know psychiatry is booked for people. Somebody's listening that is yelling at their radio or their cell phone or wherever you're listening right now. Like, I tried to call. I can't get an appointment. We know. We know. Psych is booked. Yeah. It's taking months to get there. But we're family medicine doctors. We can treat your depression and your anxiety, Uh, but we will get you to the right place and we can at least be a bridge while we're trying to get you direct traffic to get you to like a counselor for talk therapy to psychiatry. If you know the medicines that we prescribe are not working. So just know that you can see dips in your mood. And if it's different from the timing that you thought it was should have been, it's not your imagination. You know, outside of those things, you know, make a budget. Don't overspend this holiday season. Please don't get, I know everybody's at home. Well, I'm not at home, but people are still at home and you all are watching these commercials. Black Friday is around the corner, so it's about to get worse. Mm-hmm. You're, listen, you do not need another pair of J's. I'm talking to myself, not y'all right now. I was just going to say, I'm like, are you talking to yourself? <laughs> because you can't wear them anywhere. Um, so you don't have to feel bad if you didn't buy them, but you can't for the record. I, them. I sure can. I can take pictures and send them to your friends because you yes, know you I'm can. using my outlets. I'm just yes, you can, you know, and you can do good or could not be about me, right? It's good or could not be about me, right? You now. could do Amy, Zoom meetings. Amy Joe's Amy Joe's shoes are dope, but she has a problem. Really <laughs> <laughs> Her shoes be so fly, but she has an extensive shoe collection. She'd be like, oh, man, these are new J's. Oh, man, Serena came out with some shoes. Oh, man, these are throwback, throwback, vintage reboot J's. I'm like, I don't care. 
care about <laughs> these J's only because you bought another pair a week ago. You just showed me another pair. No, you and then after that text, she's like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done for the rest of the year. And then the next week <laughs> yeah, after. She's like, I'm done, y'all. I'm done, like, y'all. I promise I'm done, y'all. I promise I'm done. <laughs> so do you want me to screenshot this text you just sent us that you said you weren't going to buy another pair for the entire year? Like, well, But I, I meant it this last time. I've been really good. That was three times ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Listen, 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 Amy Joe. It's all right. It's all right. I'm the one friend that's gonna tell you go ahead and get them Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one who's gonna tell help. you do it. But you know what's funny? I actually do care. I actually do care about her Jays, but I have to say that I don't care because I feel like I can't keep giving her positive feedback because she's just gonna keep buying more. <laughs> So she'd be like, she'd be like, I know, right? They dope. I know. Look at them. I'm like, I know, but what are we doing? Yes, but if if shopping, if shopping for the rest of you all out there is like stressing you out, um, turn off the commercials. I don't know if I could. Let me see if I can summarize it. If I could tell you anything about managing your mental health, um, set your expectations. Be in whatever mood you're going to be in. Um, don't be alarmed if your depression um, that goes up or down in the seasons is off a little bit because it's just happening because of the state that we're in. Go see your doctor, get a little bit more help. Talk to your friends and family if that helps you. And don't feel obligated to do anything and have a plan in the event that things don't go the way you expect once you get to family and friends. Yeah, I also just want to throw in that, like, at that very last point when she was like, when when things don't go the way that you expect. Now, that could be open to wide interpretation because easily something happening that you didn't expect is maybe you interacting with a relative who is really critical of you. Mm -hmm. Critical of you and maybe your partner or your lifestyle or your weight or your... I don't know, lack of a husband or having kids or or cutting your hair or re or I don't know. It can literally be absolutely anything. Because as you know, your family members are gonna have their thoughts and feelings and that's just how it is. So when it comes to like things may not go the way that you expect, things can go left and you just have to have a plan for that. And it's okay to take a break from your family. It's okay if something happens at the dinner table and you're like, you know what? This is just not this is not for me right now, not good for my mental health. You can take a step back, excuse yourself or do whatever you need to do to stay centered because things might happen. This holiday Especially, season can be anything. Anything you need it to be, really, honestly, is what this holiday season can be. You just need to do it in a way that's safe. I especially had a patient that I just saw, and she was telling me that she didn't know if she wanted to go home for the holidays, and it had nothing to do with COVID. It was purely based on the fact that during the pandemic, she had gained about 15 to 20 pounds. And she's like, mm -hmm. I don't want to go home because I've gained this weight, and I know that my family is going to talk about me, think something's wrong. Cause we did diagnose her with depression during the pandemic and things. So she has, you know, she's working on her mental health, but she's like, it's purely because of my weight. I don't know if I want them to see me like this. So she's not doing FaceTimes with them and she doesn't want to go home. And you know, that's affecting a lot of people. A lot of people have had huge weight swings during the pandemic and it's something that people are critical about. And that's just one of those things that might go left, you know? So I'm gonna let y'all in on a little secret. You are in good company if you have gained weight during the COVID pandemic. I'm seeing anywhere from five to forty pound swings. Yeah, there's some big ones. Yeah, I've seen I've seen like a forty pound swing to the point where I had to calculate it myself. Like, no, let's come back out here. No, put that purse. Just put everything down. Let's step back on the scale and let's make sure it's take take it out your pockets. Right. <laughs>
<laughs> and, and a part of it is, is that earlier on where we might've caught them and had some education to say, just so for the record, your, your weight is going up. They had a virtual visit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they had a virtual visit and, you know, and then they came back for now they're in the office for their, their follow-up physical. visit or for their mm-hmm. physical exam or something. And they step on the scale and you're catching them and you realize just how, you know, how significant it's been. Like, I think my, my largest weight gain swing has been about 40 pounds on, on somebody that I'm taking care of. And I was like, man, you know, how this, how did we get here so fast? Um, it's been eight months. It's literally been eight months since I've seen some of my patients in person. No, nine. Because some of them, I saw them in February. Mm-hmm. Everything hit the fan in March. We're mm-hmm. in November now. And a lot can happen in eight, nine months. And you see them and you're like, did you, we put on some, you know, and you step on the scale. And like you said, it's just. <laughs> yeah. But, and some of them are so sad. They're like, man, I knew it was bad, but I just didn't, I didn't think it was like this. So, I mean, we're, re- I'm resetting a lot of people. Like we're back to basics. Like Step one, let's just food journal. Let's just kind of see where the calories are coming from. We're not changing anything. Like, let's just count the food. And yep. and then we will try to tweak it from here and there just so they can turn their brains back on because people are, like, just eating unconsciously. Yeah, but you work from home and you're in your sweats. You're not in, like, your normal work clothes. Oh, so yeah, how do you really right. realize that you're really gaining the weight, right? Because you're in baggy things, right? So yeah. Listen, I go to work every day and um, thank God for white coats <laughs> because I threw my coat on one day early. It was it was early. So I called it before it was too late. And that joker did not button. And I was like, Jesus, be a fence. Um, <laughs> why is this not buttoning? Like what is happening? Um, so I think we were all snacking in the beginning. And so. I went back to stepping on my scale. I'm a, I'm a step on a scale every day or not because I need to, but because I just, it's habit and it keeps me accountable, but I get it. I get the snacking and I wasn't at home every day. I was going to work. <laughs> we never, I was waiting. I was waiting for us to shut down and never happened, man. We kept going to work. So I was yeah. like, all right. <laughs> all right. Who got the questions this week? Yes. I know it's not me. So <laughs> let's get to the questions. This person, our Listener said, yes, hello, I need you to talk about magnesium supplements. Are they important? Why? When? Why not? What not to mix with? As I say, so yes, they're important. Um, It depends on, but that's going to depend. So some people have low magnesium. And so in those cases, then yes, you should take a magnesium supplement. I have given them to people who are chronically constipated to kind of help them a little bit with their constipation. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly enough, sometimes magnesium supplements help with chronic migraines and headaches in pregnant women when yeah. I can't give them um, standard medications. So, you know, it's kind of a, uh, uh, Dr. Sunshine may have something better to add, but yeah, magnesium supplements work. If your magnesium is low, if you have, I've tried them for headaches. I've tried them for just everyday supplementation. I've tried them for a constipation. They work differently in different people or some people just have low magnesium. So Dr. Nono is in the hospital checking magnesium levels sometimes. And if that magnesium level is low, she may discharge you home with magnesium supplements until you see someone like me and we can take it from there. So the answer is yes, you can take them whenever. Um, The timing of the magnesium doesn't matter. Um, But if you've been told to try magnesium, then over-the-counter magnesium is fine. 
mind you, there's like a list of conditions of things that you can have that would cause you to have low magnesium, but kind of tying into an episode that we did last week, or I guess a couple weeks ago in terms of alcohol intake. So frequently in people who drink a lot of alcohol, you will notice that like when they go to the doctor, do their blood work, they will have low mag, they'll have low potassium. Um, and there are certain health conditions that may predispose you to having low mag. So in addition to everything Jamie Jo MD just said, I think that there may be some of your habits that you may doing may be doing in your day to day that may cause you to have lower levels of magnesium than normal. Um, when it comes to vitamins in particular, for my patients, I usually like for you to live your life the way that you normally do. And then we'll check your level, you know, just to see what you are at your baseline. And if you happen to be low, then we can figure out if you need supplementing or not and kind of figure out why is it low? Do we need to supplement it? Can you get this from diet? Like, can you just eat certain vegetables to kind of increase certain levels um, and pretty much go from there? Mm -hmm. And I only say that because there are certain vitamins and certain things where like if you keep taking, you know, certain things, like if you keep taking calcium when you don't need it, keep taking mag when you don't need it, there's actually a sweet spot for the majority of your vitamins. And we don't want you to get too much of anything. Mm -hmm. So it's more so a discussion that you have with your doctor. And of course, checking your blood work and just making sure you stay in the sweet spot. Yeah, honestly, for 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 me, for the most part, I don't I only normally check magnesium if there is a problem, like mostly if they complain about muscle cramping, if they're fatigued or something, then I might check it. Or if there's some numbness or tingling, then I might check it. Or if they have an issue with their potassium is low, then I'll probably check a magnesium because if your potassium is low and your magnesium is low, then we're not going to get your potassium up. So I normally just kind of check it if there's something like a complaint, but I don't normally like, check it all the time because i know i mean you can normally just get magnesium for your from your diet oh y'all stole what i was gonna say so I oh. agree. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these vitamins they're not they're not fda regulated is what we say so you know a lot of the additives that they put into the vitamins we have no knowledge of so we can't you know we can't reliably say that this would be safe for like your daily consumption so like what Dr. Sunshine said earlier, um, usually if you have a chronic condition that predisposes you to have your magnesium low, or if you come into the hospital with like a, you know, like a heart arrhythmia, you know, we usually want to make sure your electrolytes are in check. So potassium, your magnesium, and some other electrolytes that I don't need to mention. Um, we usually make sure we check those to make sure those are okay. And then once we replete them while they're in the hospital, then it'll be with it'll be for you to follow up with your PCP to make sure those levels stay in check. So I want to add one thing that I didn't put in there um, that comes up. And I think with COVID and with, you know, us talking about seasonal affective disorder and depression, it's a, it's a, just a timing, good plug. Vitamin D levels, I know run low. They tend to run lower in the winter time. And sometimes your vitamin D can uh, help boost the mood. So if you are not getting your, 30 minutes of sunshine a day, it's a good time to pop a couple vitamin D3 tablets, go for your walk, get that sun, activate that vitamin D. It's not only good for you, it can sometimes help with mood as we're talking about mental health in the holiday. So mm -hmm. if you had your feel of your family in that Thanksgiving dinner, it's a good time to grab your vitamins and then head out for that 30 minute walk to walk up that turkey. Dr. Nono. Um, <laughs> Dr. Nono about the turkey. So that is my shameless plug, right? So um, sunshine and vitamin D goes a long way. So with that, we're going to let Dr. Nono let you know where to find us, 
when you need to hear more from us or talk to us, send us more questions. We love your questions. They turn into shows. So Dr. Nodo, take it from there. As always, um, you guys can always find us at thechocolatemds.com. Um, it's our, I guess, two-week-old website now. So if you have any questions that you want to submit, uh, feel free to send it to our Gmail. So again, it's thechocolatemds at gmail.com. Or there's a very handy uh, contact info um, button on our website where you can submit your questions through the site. And as always, our handle is the same on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So it's at the chocolate MDS. And please check out my social media posts. They take a lot of time to think of. So I like when people like stuff because it makes me feel happy. <laughs> um, but other than that, um, again, stay safe. Uh, I guess guys be nice, be nice to each yeah, other, please. please. Um, just, just, and I'm just keeping it simple as that. Just be nice to each other. It's been a crazy year. We just had an election result. Everybody's not happy. The race was closed. Just be nice. Okay. Let's, let's finish 2020 on a good note. Uh, whatever note that may be. Um, let's close it out and just start a new chapter. Bye guys. Bye. 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 Bye.